Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. This week, uh, in one of our rare return guest appearances, I have my good buddy, Andy Crestedina, who is the uh, co-founder of Orbit Media in Chicago. Welcome, Andy. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be back. Yeah, so uh, for those folks that aren't familiar with what you guys do, just uh, you're an agency, but what's your range of services that you guys offer? Sure, it's pretty tight. We're a web design and development company. Uh, we do mostly Chicago, but we also publish a lot on all kinds of content marketing and content strategy, conversion optimization, search analytics. So the content people uh, out there come across it a lot. You speak at conferences, wrote a book. But uh, basically, we're a web design company in Chicago just doing our best to teach everybody how to get better results from their sites. Well, see, oh, that right there is, you know, in the overused parlance of today uh, is one of those unicorns, a web development firm that gives a shit about conversion. I know. Mean, <laughs> seriously, most of them care more about the technology or getting paid by clients, of course, yeah. you know, uh, but you actually say, you know, the purpose of web design is higher conversion and better efficiency, right? That's right. I mean, the, if the marketer has a huge impact on the amount of traffic you get to the site, it's the web design company that has a huge impact on the conversion rate of the site. And really, it's traffic times conversions equals success. And it sounds obvious, but people still don't quite think that way or in that, you know, in that clearly a, of terms. But yeah, that's it. I mean, we want yeah, to build so, sites that are conversion machines. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, in the language of the military, I would call it force multipliers, right? It's good to be fast. It's good to be hard-hitting. It's even better to be fast and hard-hitting. So, <laughs> you know, it's like if you send good traffic to your site and your site converts well, well, your profits are uh, being force multiplied. They multiply. That's, the, that's the, the one thing that a lot of people miss. These don't add to each other. They multiply. Yeah, that, that's really critical. And uh, because more high-quality traffic uh, can be scaled and you know, getting more juice out of them allows you to actually beat your competitors silly with, with uh, you know, I can pay more stick and get even more traffic. And so you get a, a real competitive advantage if you have both of those dialed in. Yeah, and anything times zero is zero. So you have to pay attention to both. You know, we, we all need to be somewhat generalists these days in our marketing. Well, yeah, but uh, in a way, we're talking about specialization. So I'd say you're a conversion-focused web development company. Well, that's, that's pretty specialized. Uh, there's a lot of them that say, oh, we only do uh, mobile sites, or we only do sites for healthcare companies, or we only do sites that uh, you know, win us design awards, and we look good with, right. our, with our you know, cohort of peers, right? And you- yeah, the, the service is specialized, but you know, we're completely forthright about the fact that uh, you need to have – uh, marketing behind the site that we build, you know, if we sometimes joke that uh, we build cars and we teach drivers ed. So yeah. the yeah. site itself doesn't make any money for anyone unless you you take the set of activities behind it that will actually bring people to it. That act- that uh, and it's those visitors that convert. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, another way of putting it is, or just that kind of field of dreams analogy: build it and they will come. Well, right. build a website and there's no traffic, <laughs> like you say. Anything times zero is zero. That's right. Uh, 
hundred percent conversion rate on zero traffic is still zero dollars. That's zero dollars. Yeah, right. (laughs) So true. And and by the way, I mean, again, you guys are the rare exception, which is why we've had you speak at conversion conference in the past. Uh, But you know, the what we found is, you know, one of our roles when redesigning a site at Site Tuners is we'll create the blueprint for that high converting experience and then hand that over to a web development firm and keep them honest and on track. That Mm -hmm. seems to be kind of a more common scenario. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, in in a similar way, we we create a blueprint for the content marketing and the you know the activities that should drive traffic to the site. Uh, the trick, though, for us, and here's a, a bit of a blind spot and a problem when you have a, you know a web design company that builds a site and it you know it shouldn't just be a monolithic thing. You know, it it should be changed and tested and iterated over time. So that's why the word you know CRO it's conversion optimization. It's never done. You have to keep working on it. So. Uh, we're supportive to our clients post-launch, but um, all too often the web design is just one big process done once every four years, and people don't really put in the effort to try different things, test different things, optimize those pages, and keep tweaking the site to get a better rate. Well, yeah, you're, and you're absolutely right. I, I think there's a, there's a tension and a balance there. I've heard uh, you know, testing-only agencies, for example, say, well, it's all about test velocity, or it's about where we come up with the great ideas for testing, and they're, they're just running faster on the, on the gerbil wheel, but they forget to do strategic redesigns uh, of their websites and, in fact, hold it up. Some of them I've heard you know, kind of hold it up as a straw man of, like, you should never redesign your site. You should only do testing, and to me, that seems patently silly. I mean, like you say, you need to uh, do optimization between major redesigns, but to, to not do major redesigns is, uh, pardon me, pretty retarded. Yeah, it's a good word. It's evolution and it's revolution, and there are times when it, you just need to, to go back to the drawing board. You know, there's like there's big changes to technology, like responsive. Well, that's not an iterative thing. You know, that's a re, that, that's kind of a wholesale uh, overhaul to the site that makes that possible. It's really you know the, the trick for us is to make sure that we are building things that are flexible. If you looked at the past ten leads we got, it's totally obvious what those sites need. They are awful, awful websites. Some of them are six <laughs> or eight years old. You don't need to test this. You know it's going to be better. You know, you right. know how to take a site well, from well, point yeah. one. And then yeah. I call it like, you know, if you're testing inside of a pile of garbage, it's, you're still going to be creating garbage. Uh, that's, you know, sometimes, you, you know, well, the analogy I use is with the Taj Mahal. Uh, you know, the people that have been there understand that that beautiful building, which is an incredible achievement of human civilization, and that beautiful purple haze around it that you always see in the pictures, that's actually smog from the slums that surround it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like if you saw the full context of it, you wouldn't really say, "Oh, the Taj Mahal is so beautiful" because it sits in a slum. And in much the same way, creating, say, the perfect product detail page in your catalog doesn't matter if the rest of this, this the user experience is a giant slum. True, true. I mean, follow that user experience from the very, very beginning, the zero moment of truth, from the moment they begin to type something into Google, to the very, very end, the thank you page after the thank you page, the email auto response. You know, there are. Uh, very few marketers have the perspective of starting from the very front of the customer journey, following it to the very end of post-sale loyalty loop sharing and building an advocate. You know, it's uh, that holistic view, like you said, like stepping back and seeing it all from pre-site experience to post-site experience. Not that many marketers or uh, conversion optimizers are thinking that big. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what, that's what I mean. So it's all just kind of tactical testing and test velocity. And I keep, I feel like sometimes I'm crying in the wilderness when I talk about these more strategic, you know, kind of look end to end at your business. I mean, some of our initial engagements with clients, depending on whether they're lead gen or e-commerce or what we call a purchase experience audit or, or lead mm-hmm. cultivation audit. And we cover exactly what you just said, which is, you know, what's upstream of it? What, who, what audiences are you getting? What's the, is the site experience? What about the auto responder sequences what box does it arrive in you yep. know, what's your return <laughs> policy how do you guys answer the phones do you answer the phone 724 all of that stuff needs to be quality controlled and a lot of the times the real advantage is in your back-end business processes so the actual experience on your website is just a tiny part of it yeah and and here's a here's a landing page tip for the listeners if uh, a lot of people look at their analytics they see that the search for the brand is one of the top searches that people use to find the site go search for your brand in Google and look are there four or six blue links underneath the link to the homepage those site links they're called one word site links managed in Google webmaster tools each of those is a landing page right but when's the last time you looked at those as if they were landing pages those are entry points those are how people are entering the site because google is showing those site links underneath the search for the brand yeah in fact they're exposing and promoting them i mean they're they're making it easy for uh, people to kind of uh, drill down into those parts of the site and that's exactly what i would you know anything like you say where significant traffic lands on on the way to important business goals for you that's a landing page Yep. And that could be a dedicated standalone one. It could be the homepage of your site often is by default for because of SEO and brand reasons. But it could be deep links. Uh, I know uh, sites that do comparison shopping feeds and 90% of their traffic lands on their product detail page. Well, sure. when was the last time you thought of that as an entry page? <laughs> so few people do. A lot of people just think of the homepage as the entry point. Obviously, anyone who's looked closely to their analytics knows right away. The homepage is just one of many landing pages. People enter sites in all kinds of places. That's right. And they also wander around. It's not like some linear process where they're going down funnel automatically. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Well, one of my friends, uh, the CEO of Finch, uh, Bjorn Espen, as he talks, we, they structure a lot of their pay-per-click campaigns around how deep you went into the site. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is, say, in an e-commerce catalog, what categories or products you looked at. But the fact that you got to a, a category page or a product detail page or an add-to-cart page that's what matters, is the depth of the engagement that you ultimately reached. Yeah, you're making me want to write something. The top five landing pages you didn't know you had. <laughs> okay, well, just as long as you attribute me in that blog post, I'm good with it. Uh, well, we, have, um, uh, we are up on our first commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors uh, to talk with Andy Crestedina. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, in one of my rare repeat interviews uh, with Andy Crescidina. Now, I know, Andy, you and I could go on for hours and hours, but mm-hmm. um, so l- let's, let's continue this, this conversation about what constitutes good websites and landing pages. Um, it, it, let's switch gears, though, and let's talk about Ways that your web design firm can bugger up the works. Um, oh. what, are, what are typical, kind of like if you think of not yourselves, but a typical web design firm, what are the reasons for making a new website and, and what are the ways that it gets built that can take it off track from a conversion perspective? Yeah, I, I've, over the years I've begun to think of it as really those two kinds of websites. The first is people who, j- the goal of the project is just to make a new website. And, and they're not thinking about conversions or traffic or anything. They're just trying to make a website. And those are basically online brochures. They're meant to be conver- uh, co- like confirmation tools for someone that got your business card some other way. But lead generation machines and conversion machines are completely different. They have goals of traffic and goals of conversions. In the first category, people are really just listening to the client and just doing whatever the client asks for. In the second category, you're really trying to educate the client and override some of the crazy decisions. Uh, for example, the navigation. You know, people are just, uh, you look at a website, it's got really vague labels in the navigation, and it's got big drop-down menus and things that we know test poorly in usability studies. So you got to kind of, you know, to keep from buggering it up, you got to tell the client, hold on a minute, we don't need to let people go everywhere from everywhere, right? That's what yeah, you don't need do. 17 top-level nav items. No, <laughs> no. It, it, what, what people used to say, you know, is like, we, well, we want to save the visitor a click. We used to try to save clicks like we were saving whales. I mean, what's the point of saving a click? The point is to help the visitor get educated about their buying decision by guiding them through a specific process, a specific series of pages. The point is not to save clicks. So, you right. know, so clicks are not the scarce resource. Your your visitor's attention no. in deciphering your information architecture and navigation menu structure is with the <laughs> scarce resource. Exactly. We used to, and and people that put in drop down menus, they often, if you look at the analytics, you'll see that the top link in the drop down usually gets more clicks than the than the label for the drop down itself. So instead of the about page, they're going to the team page because you just encourage your visitor to skip that top page. Uh, so you know, people don't look at analytics. They don't know what's really working. They have no clue what visitors are doing on the site, and they really make make decisions in the design process based on opinion instead of data. 
Yeah, and well, I, I like what you said though. Is that the, what's the purpose of the redesign? I mean, let's start there. It seems like a lot of it is just, yeah, it's getting old and dated, so let's redesign it. Or there's some new G Wiz technology. We should, we should have parallax moving video backgrounds on our site because because <laughs> we can, you know. And then then the the CEO gets to go to the golf course with his buddies and brag about, hey, did you check out our new site? I mean, <laughs> if that's your motivation for designing a site, you're definitely going to fail. Yeah, in fact, yeah. I heard that uh, about 40% of website redesigns actually result in lower conversion. They might look oh. more updated, but... Uh, oh, that, that is, that, it, that's heartbreaking, right? That's a massive drain to the overall economy. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you could say it's, uh, it's, at least it's, uh, it's moving in the right direction and 60% are improving conversion. But uh, Wow, yeah, just, that's I, awful. I, that's such a sad number. I'm so sad to hear is, that. Big problem. Is. Yeah, and uh, I mean, but, uh, but let's talk about the biases of the web development firms themselves. Like you say, there's always that. Um, I mean, there's a tension in any creative agency and I, or professional services firm. I'll even say more broadly of mm-hmm. of doing what's right for the client and doing what the client asks. How do mm-hmm. you guys navigate that? I mean, you know, uh, they sign your paycheck. They're the ones that are paying you to do the project. Yep. So how do you push back on them in a in a in a way that's not uh, going to offend? Well, you fight the good fight, and you do it with data, and sometimes you lose. And when you lose, you, made the, you make the point that you lost the fight and that you gave them that advice and that they didn't take it, and that's okay. One of the goals of websites, we have to admit this, is political. People have to make choices that will actually get the project done. There are times when you might know the right thing to do, but, you, but if, you did, if you fought for the right thing hard enough and long enough, the project would just never be completed. And then there's zero ROI, right? There's no chance of being in that 60%. So basically, you use data, you educate, you explain why this is a better choice than that based on best practices, based on past projects, based on current analytics. And, uh, and sometimes you lose. And sometimes people do want the, the, you know, they say they're worried about load time, but they ask for the parallax, scrolling, video, moving, background. So there's the client's interest, which are, you know, is always a compromise and is a, sometimes at odds with with uh, what should be done. There's the designer's interest. Designers often want to make choices that will blow up the load time of a site, and they have to take, make those decisions based on uh, you know, a comprehensive view of what really works. And there's developers are always involved in a project, and they sometimes just want to use a certain plugin or a certain technology or platform. And Whatever they're comfortable with. You know, it's kind of like right. the, uh, the, the cop that comes up on this drunk guy who's crawling around uh, under a street lamp, and he says, hey, what's going on, buddy? And the guy says, well, I'm looking for my car keys. And the cop says, well, where'd you lose them? And the guy points to the dark end of the alley, you know, 100 yards away. And the cop says, well, why are you looking here? And, and the drunk guy says, because the light's better. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean right. seriously, that's what I hear a lot of is like, why are you using this particular technology or content management system? Because we're familiar with it and what we've always right. done. Uh, right. I mean, we often recommend a complete replatforming of your CMS and your whole marketing technology stack anytime you do a major redesign. Do you guys find yourselves in that situation as well? Yeah, the best clients for us are clients that don't ever mention technology, they're looking for an outcome. Uh, it's really tricky as we move upstream and work with larger companies. There's often an IT department involved. Uh, sometimes people want very specific technologies, but they, they don't exactly have a strategic reason to do it. It's really, like you said, just a comfort level. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, in most cases, uh, you know, everything's changed. There's a reason to use the same thing that they used before if they're already comfortable with it. It reduces training time and, and uh, learning curves. But it's not about the uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, this is, this is harsh – it's not about us at all. 
It's not really about the client either. It's all about the visitor. What is the best way to service this visitor? What is the most empathetic approach we can take from design, from programming? Wait, wait, wait. What, wait, what, what is so controversial about that? You're apologizing for being an advocate for your end visitors? Uh, I, I, it's kind of like we hold these truths to be self-evident. Come on. I know it, but, but it's really the client's website. You know, if, if I was doing something for you, I couldn't say, Tim, your opinion doesn't. You know, it's hard to tell a client who writes the check that they don't matter. That's what's controversial, right? If I, I mean, to tell, to tell uh, you know, whoever hired you that you don't care what they think, you can't really say that because... Again, the project won't ever get done. Sorry. Well, no, you're right. I mean, you know, what we do is we say we strongly urge against this and this is wrong. Um, right. And if you still insist on doing it, you know, you, you know, our objections have been noted. And yep. I understand your pragmatist streak. We very much have the same philosophy, incidentally. Uh, sometimes half a loaf is better than none. Uh, right. and, and so you just, you just bank what you can and take that extra profit off the table, realizing there's more. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so... But a lot of it, too, is people are unwilling to do big changes out of the gate. What we find ourselves doing often is to do quick tactical facelifts. And if they see results from that, then they're more inclined to, to believe you because they had a good outcome and they have a trust in you. Do you guys uh, kind of use a staged approach like that? Yeah, you do. You, you know, someone wants to do uh, something that you think is not a great idea and you, uh, you lose the battle and so you give them what they asked for. But you, you call it a test, you know, or you say, well, let's check in. I want to do a call with you in a month on analytics. And then, and then when they see that the results are lower than they'd hoped, you make a suggestion again, bringing up the thing you argued for originally and say, listen, why don't we try this instead? Let's just see if this works. I want to just, why don't we just, just run it for a week or let's do it for a month and see if, it, see if we can push results higher. Uh, that, that emotional attachment that people have to that thing that gets you to launch, right? The zero ROI until the website launches. Once that, once you get past that, then sometimes they're more open to, to other changes and you can, uh, you know, they say digital ink is never dry. It's a website. It's never finished. So right. lose the battle now, you know, and then win the war later. Yeah. Or go around, uh, do, do an end run around it by, like you say, going off the reservation, calling it a test. I mean, one of the things that I think clarifies things for sea level people is money. I mean, that's the only language they yep. understand anyway. So if you just go, oh, look, we did a test and your purple stripe button didn't win. Um, do you want us to, uh, we're making about $17 million a year more now. Would you like us to go back to the old version? That's a very mm. different conversation to have, right? <laughs> that is. That's, when you put a dollar sign in there, uh, it helps a lot. Uh, the trick is for companies, and there's lots of them, who don't really have like a money goal. It's, you know, the listeners oh, here. Oh, boy. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to come back to that after this, yeah. this coming up break. So let's pick up right there. I also want to talk about your, your, your lame-ass excuse for missing speaking at my show. Yeah, I know. yada, 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 open heart yeah. surgery, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, I know. Okay. Slacker. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we come back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. Uh, this is your host, Tim Ash, CEO of SiteTuners, Chair of Conversion Conference, with my guest, Andy Crestedina, the co-founder of Orbit Media. Uh, Andy, we we're just before the break, we were talking about not having goals. It's kind of a... Yeah, well, there is I, a type of... Yeah, go ahead. It, it's weird, you know, but, but there are lots of websites that have uh, lots of different goals, and conversions is is a big one for almost anybody, right? Lead generation or, con- or e-commerce conversion, something like that. But there are other pages, other sections, and, and entire websites that sometimes have purely educational goals, uh, sites that are, are you know, it's a mission-driven organization. Um, and then in some cases, it, this is, sounds crazy, but you have to kind of try to convince these people that even if they're a nonprofit or they're an advocacy group, you know, they still should have the goals. They still should try to convert people into subscribers, if nothing else, Right. I mean, to increase their influence, right? Yeah. I mean, to increase their reach. It's not like you have no goals. I mean, there should be measurable outcomes for any design project, and you should be looking at those. Yeah, you can serve the mission of the organization, even if it's not money, even if it's influence. We still all need to convert, right? There is no such thing. I mean, unless even Wikipedia has to raise money sometimes. You know, we all need every page, every section, every visit should have some kind of goal in that Venn diagram overlap between what the visitor really cares about and what the business needs to survive. Yeah. Well, by the way, so, you know, like I said, we just had uh, back in May our fantastic sold out um, people from 28 countries uh, conversion conference in Vegas. And you missed it. You could have gone zip lining, mm-hmm. but instead you decided to have your sternum cracked open. What's up with that? I mean, I've heard the dog ate my homework, but what kind of excuse is that? Yeah, it's um, I was just looking around for ways to get out of it because, I mean, I just I just don't like sold out you know, home run conferences. I, I'd rather not be part of uh, a huge success like yours. So I found a doctor that would give me open heart surgery. And uh, yeah, so he gave me a note that I was able to use as an excuse to not, uh, not speak at your show. It was just a little heart valve replacement, got it done. I was able to uh, skip out of those, that May conference there. Yeah, well, well played, Mr. Crestedina. Uh, <laughs> got out of it. Okay, but next year you're going to have to come up with a, with a different excuse. I'm sorry, because we intend to have you back. You're one of the most dynamic and highly rated speakers uh, we've ever had. It, it, 
it was a you you run a great show and you pulled together a great group of people and the and um you know the the note taking the engagement the questions you know the eye contact this is not a, a conference of you know sleepy attendees these are active participants whose brains are engaged i mean you look around the rooms that you fill tim you do one of the you're one of the best out there at uh at, at throwing these things well done well, thank you. you. know, we really take pride in the quality of the speakers, and we had the, by far the highest average speaker ratings at this show, which, you know, we've really taken it up another notch by going to four tracks. We've had a lot more specialized sessions that people have been asking for. Uh, oh, so, Andy, so back to, okay, if, if we had to give advice on how to prevent uh, some of these things, we're, some of these pitfalls we've been talking about, I mean, it seems to me like one of the keys is 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 focus on outcomes and just focus mm-hmm. in general. Can would you mm-hmm. agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, start with the goals, know what you're trying to do, know the desired outcome for the visitor and for yourself, and then limit the pages so that they have fewer things like those drop downs. Why do you need to have f- 52 options on a homepage? You know, you should have in your mind a mapped out path through which the visitor gets more interested, more trusting, more educated. That's the path. That's the funnel we're trying to pull them down. So yeah, it's it's really about kind of like um, limiting the options, not crowding out these pages, choosing the one thing that is the most important thing on the page, and then politically, organizationally, having the discipline to say no to all those other constituents who want to, you know, crap on the page by putting all this other stuff there. It's really a that's the key. <laughs> uh, I, I very much appreciate that. You know, it's interesting because I have a chapter in my book, and if anyone's heard my heard me speak about the seven deadly sins of landing page design, or more broadly, web website design, a lot of it are sins of too much, of sins of gluttony, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, too much text on the page, too many choices on the page, too many distractions on the page. It's it's really just too much. It's overload. It's like yeah, you know, being being yeah. at a rave or something. <laughs> It's evolved a little bit because now, you know, rather than having like only one thing be the most prominent thing on the page, we're all designing these tall, responsive web design type pages that have one most prominent thing at each different scroll depth. That's how I'm thinking about it now. It's like as you scroll down, sure, there's lots of things that are prominent on this page, but as you scroll down, there's only one thing kind of in the viewable port there, the viewable window that is the most prominent thing at that scroll depth. Yeah, well, th- you brought up a good thing. I mean, we, we could we will spend another uh, whole session probably talking about uh, scrolling and mobile and responsive or adaptive designs. Uh, I don't want to open that whole can of worms right mm-hmm. now. We, I, I want to get into it, but we we're almost up on our time. So, but I do want to say that you know, but sometimes I think the pendulum swung too much in the other direction. Now we have these one-page sites with the first above the fold call to action basically being do what I want you to do at the bottom of the funnel. So it's really kind of a greedy marketer syndrome in action. There aren't any intermediate goals for the people earlier in the funnel or earlier in the customer journey. Yeah. I don't, that? Yeah. How do those people, what do their analytics look like? Those people who build those pages and they try to, you know, it's like a, it's like a bad dating story, right? It's like there's no foreplay. You didn't do anything at the top to get the person <laughs> to be engaged, right? It's like it's uh, you know, take her to dinner first. It's a, yeah, buy, buy a drink, take her to dinner, go dancing. Yeah, you know, just exactly. say, hey, babe, uh, you know, I like you on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you come over here? Get yeah. into my car. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lollipop. Come, come, come! Drive my Corvette. Right. Yeah. yeah. Step, step <laughs> into my van. You're right. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Oh well, boy. Well, I think you you wasted a perfectly good half hour listening to me talk with Andy Crestedina. Andy, thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. 
And uh, loyal listeners, we'll see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.